0: Three receivers right, one to the left. They've got two backs in the backfield. And Nias is going to roll, a little half roll to the right. Now he's going to pull it down and try to take off. Dodges a rusher in the backfield. He's got room. 25, 20, near side steps out of bounds with a first down at the 18-yard line. That's a gain of 21 for Mason Nias, who shows some athleticism and good balance there as he shook off an oncoming rusher. Growing the Game with Ballsy is a podcast dedicated to growing the game of football in Saskatchewan. Each week, Michael Ball will talk with brighter guests, but he'll also highlight amateur athletes, coaches, and builders in this province growing the game we love. Now, here's Ballsy. Growing the Game with Ballsy is brought to you by these great sponsors. If you need these type of services, please make sure you support These fine businesses, like Regina Sports Performance Center, respect the effort. Join today at reginasports.ca. Hammer time roofing in Saskatoon. Did your shingles blow off? Hammer Time Roofing is Saskatoon's only certainty five-star roofing contractor that is backed by a true manufacturer's warranty. Face First Medical Aesthetics. Hold off father time in a naturally looking way with Crescinda. She's quickly becoming the go-to person in the beauty industry with people booking as far away as Alberta. Get your free consultation above Gabbo's on Dudney Avenue in downtown Regina. That's where you find Face First. Paul Waldo at Royal Le Page in Regina. Get in the real estate game with the three-time Grey Cup champ by giving him a call. 306-502-5355. AGT Foods. AGT Foods and Ingredients. One of the largest suppliers of value-added pulses, staple foods, and food ingredients in the world. A true Saskatchewan success story. Mark Greshner Photography. Trust Mark with the big moments in your life. Check out his work at markgreshner.com. The Gear Up with John Ryan Foundation. Thanks to the local football legend for giving back to Regina Minor Football, never forgetting where he came from, and supporting this podcast. That's John Ryan of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Doubles at Ag Sales in Weyburn and surrounding area. For grain hauling, grain marketing, and crop insurance, call Corey at 306 842 2402. Coming to you from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio, go uh, check out their great uh, facility there on Broadway Avenue in downtown Regina. And all our guests come to you via the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline, Hammer Time Roofing in Saskatoon. Check them out. 262 Roof. I'm joined by very esteemed leader post sports writer. That would be Rob Vanstone. Rob, I just had a birthday. Uh, Did you celebrate with a pizza?
1: I absolutely did a 10 inch pepperoni from Fired Up Grill, and it was absolutely delicious. And uh, I've been craving another one ever since. So this could be a, this could be a struggle. I'm not sure when my next uh, cheat day is going to be, but uh, I suspect it will be sooner than anticipated.
0: People that are just tuning in, like, why is he talking like this? This guy. How many pounds did you lose in a year?
1: Um, uh, oh, just just over a hundred. Um, when I started this, I was a uh, it was an economical two hundred <laughs> and sixty-two point eight pounds, and now I'm uh, well under one hundred and sixty.
0: That's awesome. That's, uh, that's awesome. Now, now, when you have a pizza, and I think you said it's only your second one in a year, if I'm correct, second or third? I've had three now. Okay, um, third one. Okay, so twenty-fourth, yeah. March sixth and March thirtieth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when you have a pizza, and you're so used to eating clean and not having a pizza. Do, you, do your guts act up? they like, hey, what are you doing to me, Rob? No, I haven't had any rebellion
1: internally since uh, the three times I've broken down and had the pizza that I used to have about 14 times a week, um, <laughs> which surprises me. Um, I just, I think part of the reason is um, I don't hoover the pizza like I used to. Like a 10 or 12 or 50-inch pizza, it used to be like mailing a letter. it just <laughs> go right down. And, uh, and now I... You know how people kind of, when they're wine tasters, they slosh it around in their mouth, and they, I kind of do that with the, with the pizza. I savor every bite. I take smaller bites. I get to the final piece, and I, I think there's, a, I think a hamster could eat it more quickly than I, than I do, because I just don't want that last piece to disappear. And I just savor it and love it, and it tastes better than ever. So I think I put myself in, in better positions to, um, in a better position to digest it, as opposed to just uh, shoving it down my down my uh, throat and uh, <laughs> ending up needing Tom's
0: Okay, buddy. Speaking of digestion, how are you digesting what you're hearing about whatever the hell this is between the CFL and the XFL? I'm trying not to get too wild about it, even though uh, that's almost impossible for me, but it's... I just, you know, I shake my head, however this goes. Maybe it goes nowhere, Rob, but I shake my head at how people who I thought I knew differently. Just want to throw our football game away. Just want to give away our game, our three-down, 110-yard Canadian ratio game, especially the Canadian ratio. The one that kills me is, Wah, so it's way overdue. Get rid of the Canadian ratio. How are you digesting this? Uh, that would
1: give me more indigestion than about 14 pizzas in one sitting <laughs> um you know some a, thumb, a thumbtack pizza would go down more uh palatably than than what i'm hearing about the canadian football league right now it's just it, like you say the essence of, of the game has become so disposable in the estimation of some and uh, it just seems to me that that uh, people are being a little hasty and, and far too dismissive and somewhat myopic in looking at uh, where, the, where the game has been and where it needs to go. I, I don't pretend for a moment that, that there isn't a need to, to reach out and look for alternate sources of revenue. And I, I can see that there's maybe some ways that a, an alliance with the XFL could be, could be beneficial, but let's not completely gut what we have come to know In in an attempt to uh, enhance things, I just, as many people as you appease with, I think you will, you run the risk of of alienating even more. I just don't know how this is going to expand your, your base of fans. If you become another American version of American football, people are just going to say, well, I'm just going to watch the NFL then. Yeah, well, the differentiation?
0: Haven't have, have Americans, Rob, already spoken with their wallets? Twice with the XFL, uh, World League of American Football, USFL, the CFL expansion, for gosh sakes. Yes, there were a couple of success stories here and there uh, early on, Sacramento, and of course, Baltimore. But other than that, that was a failed experiment. Maybe they could have done things differently, but haven't Americans already spoken with their wallets? They don't want anything but high school, college, NFL as it relates to four down football.
1: That's that's my presumption. I mean, there's been some there's been some talk that the XFL's ratings actually weren't that bad, and okay, that you know TV ratings, are, and that's fine. But and people, what you're hearing now about the XFL is that this group has more financial resources and more followers and more profile. Well, it's not like the the league in its previous two incarnations was operated by somebody who was devoid of those. Uh, Potential benefits. You're talking about Vince McMahon, who's a marketing colossus, and and he if he couldn't make it work, I'm just not sure how it. suddenly because The Rock and Venture and Redbird Capital have it that it's going to be that much more appealing. Maybe maybe incrementally, maybe to a small degree, but I, I'm just not sure that this that that's going to be the panacea that that the XFL is looking for. I'm not sure that there is a potential panacea for the for the for the XFL. They've tried it twice. Maybe they'll reconfigure things a bit, but if you're the CFL, you're still hanging a lot on a maybe. And what are you prepared to sacrifice in pursuit of a maybe? It just it radiates desperation, and these are desperate times. But I, I think there's solutions that should be embraced and explored uh, within our borders before they go racing off and, and start courting the XFL or, or finding you know kickers from uh from tulum
0: so here's what here's what i hear all the time and you hear it too the business model's broken the business model's broken have we really rob banstone have we really tried have we really tried to fix the business model because i you know yes quarterbacks have taken a pay cut granted okay uh you know our own cody vajardo took a nice haircut but Let's be honest, I there's no revenue coming in. He's still overpaid. We're still overpaying these guys. Okay, that's number one. Number two, have we really promoted and, and, and done a good job on the grassroots level in promoting our Canadian talent? Like, it, it makes me scratch my head. I just don't get it. It's like we, we have, in my opinion, we haven't tried.
1: I think there have been efforts, but I don't think they've been all-consuming, and I don't think they've been comprehensive, nor have they been concentrated. Uh, There's there's a huge pool of of youngsters in this country. They've already declared an interest in football. They're playing flag, they're playing touch, they're playing tackle. Uh, they cultivated that audience uh, to a significant degree. No, yeah, but Rob, but Rob, but Rob, but Rob,
0: but Rob, where's that interest? Every t- I don't know about you and you're you're on the sports scene a lot longer than me. But back in the day when you were covering sports in the 80s and 90s and granted the world has changed. But you were covering in the 90s and you were interviewing a Michael Ball who's playing high school and stuff like that. He might say, "You know what? My favorite receiver is Jeff Fairholm." I ask kids that now, they never. And I mean never. The first the first player they looked up to is never a CFL player. That's a huge problem. Like, you got the, you had the flag football league here that the CFL sponsored in Regina, and then for whatever reason, I think it was right across Canada, and whatever reason, they decided they wouldn't sponsor it, and the NFL quickly jumped in because Regina, for instance, has one of the best flag football leagues in North America. Like, what is the CFL doing? You'd rather have a kid grow up wanting to be Larry Fitzgerald as opposed to Shaq Evans? Like, come on. Yeah, and that's the thing, I and mean, you know, player
1: identifiability has hurt them too. Because I mean, Jeff Fairholm played here for from 1988 to 1983, and you know, over a shorter period of time, the, the most prominent number seven with the Saskatchewan Roughriders has gone from Weston Dressler to Willie Jefferson to Cody Fajardo. So it's really tough for a, for a, a young person to even identify with a player now because they're in and out so quickly. Uh, that's that's I think that's a factor, uh, you know, mitigating against the the Canadian Football League, too. But I just think you've got to mind this this country and, and, and stop saying that you've done all you can here. Uh, I remember, I'm old enough to remember, and again, I keep citing old examples, but I think the principles would still apply. Uh, 1978, the Riders missed the playoffs for the first time since 1961, and it was a blow. Uh, pardon me, 1977. Mm-hmm. 1978, they went 4-11-1. Uh, took a huge loss. 1979, they went 2-14. and 14. It was a mess. Well, guess what? In 1980, they also went 2-14, and 14, but they made money that season, despite being awful, historically awful. And you know why? Because after the 1979 season, Jim Spavitol was hired as the general manager of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He immediately made it a priority to go to every sports dinner anywhere within the 306. And he sold active memberships, and he sold season tickets, and he sold the team, and he made friends. One person, one interaction at a time, and their average attendance went up by several thousand in 1980 for another awful football team. And they actually put money in the bank uh, after after that. And in 1981, 82, they they played to more than 100% capacity, and they didn't make the playoffs either year. But they had worked so hard and so diligently at cultivating a fan base, and there were pep rallies, there were pancake breakfasts, and they got huge mileage out of the the, the pancake breakfasts and and and, and, and just uh and just those little things the active memberships and that was all started because you know jim Spavital just got out and went everywhere and just made fans made friends one two three at a time they start going to games it catches on with them they go with their friends that's how you build it it's glass grassroots it's boots on the ground and uh i don't think that's any different than what they what they need to do today i don't think that reality Ever changes. In fact, it might be more imperative for them to do that now than it was back then.
0: I agree with you, and I think that here it's always going to be like that. The riders do a pretty good job. They've got their Chase the Ace Lotto. They give back, so the riders are, uh, you know, they're far and above the benchmark. You've got some uh, good efforts in Winnipeg and Edmonton and Calgary, where they compete with NHL teams, but they do a pretty good job. But I just, you know, I, I heard another rumor. Oh, they're looking. There's CFL, CFL types, are and and there's a lot of rumors out there, but they're they're looking at maybe dropping the ratio by five and only having three Canadian starters. If it ever went to that, we're just creating a league, and we're already headed there. We're just creating a league of offensive and defensive linemen. And I hey, I have all the respect in the world for Aldag and Mikowski and Poli and those kind of guys. I mean, great all-timers, the Scott Flores of the world. But who wants to grow up to be an offensive or an interior defensive lineman? It doesn't happen. Yes, you're you're happy to be there when you have the job, but people they got to be able to dream that they could be a quarterback, that they could be a defensive back. I'll tell you what, Rob, I fear that if we we go down this slope, um, that we're in danger of wrecking this game at the grassroots level. Like, why would I know people don't play because they they you know that there's a, what am I trying to say here? There's an 80% chance there's going to be, they're going to be a professional football player, but there's a dream to be a professional football player. Don't you think that dream should still be available? I think that dream would be dead if we start dumping Canadians and therefore the game would be in trouble.
1: I, I totally agree with every part of that. And I know there's people who maintain that the, the Canadians Aren't going to attract more fans. Well, I'm not sure they've given that a chance, and uh, that they haven't given the they aren't giving the Canadian game for credit for being what it is. And if you if you alter that without looking at it, at it from an excitement standpoint, all you're doing is I think losing even distancing yourself further from what should be your niche. If you're playing four down football, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, well, that's already being done. Uh, this this is something that that has the potential to be. To be exciting and you know, way more exciting and way more, way more wide open if they if they really take advantage of those possibilities. But they don't seem inclined to. They seem to look externally for all these pie in the sky solutions. And uh, and uh, I just, to me, yes, they're in a very perilous time. But this, to me, seems as dangerous an approach as uh, as, as they could they could uh, you know take. I just I am really worried about it because people are just so. So willing to just throw it all overboard wouldn't without that be, wouldn't really that, any real evidence that there can be
0: success. Yes, wouldn't there? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Uh, wouldn't it single uh, signal the end of guys like Adam Macard and Kyle Borsa, who just ran a blazing four three seven, for example? Wouldn't it say, signal the end for guys like that? Because you can't tell me that American coaches is all about politics, all about who you know. Uh, teams don't want to go against their scouting departments. You don't think people are going to get uh jimmy smith from uh two-bit college in uh division three over a local kid if they have the choice you bet you w- they will
1: well, look at the composition of coaching staffs you're, you're bringing in a lot of people a lot of the time who've never coached canadian football before but they seem to get the nod uh, like as an assistant coach over somebody who's been coaching canadian football for years It's so just okay let's hire this running backs coach let's hire this offensive line coach and they they have absolutely no experience in, in canadian football doesn't seem to matter and uh, so the Canadian coaches are, are really marginalised in the Canadian football league as are the, the Canadian players. And it's, to me, it's, that should be your core. That should be what you celebrate as opposed to begrudgingly saying, oh, we've got to find seven Canadian starters somehow. And uh, it seems to be, they, they always seem to look upon the, the Canadians as an imposition.
0: Well, which is and, it, Rob? Which uh, is it, that troubles me. Which is it, Rob? because you've heard the same thing I've heard. I've heard it from Chris Jones. I've heard it from Craig Dickinson. I've heard it from other coaches. The Canadian talent has never been better than it is now. We have more kids playing south of the border in Division I football from Canada, and I've heard our U Sports football. I've seen it with my own eyes. So have you. It's never been better. So if it's never been better, why am I still hearing that there's a lack of a lack of depth and why am i seeing the movement to cut canadians and we should but we should add more global players i i, oh. I don't understand i don't understand if you're gonna have a token roster spot it
1: shouldn't be for a global player it should be safe for a canadian quarterback or a canadian develop developmental position again they seem to default to everything except what should be the heart of what they're doing and and Maybe I'm just sounding stuffy and old-fashioned, or excessively patriotic or stubborn. But I just, what should be the foundation right now, it seems to be viewed by many people within the Canadian Football League as a liability. Yeah. And that utterly counterintuitive and contradictory mindset is is puts the league in, I think, even more of a perilous position than it, than it should be in. Yeah, that's what they're willing to. That's what they're willing to sacrifice.
0: Well, I, um, you and I look. am like,
1: terrified. What's going to happen? Yeah, here.
0: yeah. You and I look like old relics, but I really don't care if we look like old relics because we've been around long enough to, I think, experience all types of uh, situations with the Rough Riders—the good, the bad, the ugly. You more than me, and if there's a rider historian, it's you. But I mean, you—you you look at it, man. Broken business model. Riddle me this, Batman. Wouldn't Canadians play for Canadian dollars? You you mentioned something great in one of your articles a, a week or so ago. And I agree with it because I've been saying it for a while. Shouldn't we add more Canadians? Wouldn't that be a smarter business approach? A Canadian will play for $60,000 and he'll enjoy playing for $60,000, $70,000. In my opinion, Rob, the guy that tells me this, I'm... And far for me to tell somebody how to spend their money, but oh if I'm spending 80 bucks, I want the best talent. Do you really think the guy in section 508 knows the difference? you really think he knows the difference between the fourth corner from Jacksonville State or the cornerback from the U C or the U of a? I highly doubt it. Oh yeah take the fourteen, say so say you take the
1: 15th, sixteenth, and seventeenth starting Americans. And turn those into Canadians I'm not sure anybody would notice the difference it's a, I, I for, you know, don't get me wrong I mean not for a second do I maintain that the Americans don't have a very important sure they place do. in this game I mean we're talking who are the, the two players on statues outside outside yeah, uh, the Stadium you know one of them's from Clareton Pennsylvania and the other one's from Renton
0: Washington but There's but two, they so... those two guys are they're like Weston Dressler Rob sorry for cutting you yeah. off I'll let you continue but they're like Weston Dressler they're you consider them Canadians you know yeah. what I mean they, they're ingrained into us they stuck around Lancaster Lancaster coached while he played uh, Reed so so involved with Bob Hughes with charity like these guys were here that's what we need create a business model that makes that feasible Ronnie taught at Central
1: Collegiate all day, and then went to practice at 5.30. Uh, George Reed worked at Molson's all day. Um, uh, Al Ford was a teacher. Ed McQuarters worked at Fast Power, etc. And that didn't prevent them from being... Amazing football players and amazing citizens. You build in, you build in some stability. You bring it, build in some identifiability. You make it easier. You make them less dependent on a on a football wage, while allowing them to establish a career outside of football while they're playing football. So that they're not starting over at 31, 32 in the real world when everybody else that they went to school with was started. I got a 10 year head start. And yep. they can parlay their their success in the gridiron into future success uh, elsewhere. It's it should be a symbiotic relationship as opposed to one one existing at the exclusion of the other. And that model it's not archaic. It honestly it could it could be the salvation if they look at it that way instead of dismissing anything that is uttered by people like me and saying, oh, that's just Bansoe living in the past.
0: That, and, that, and that's where I'm going with this. How do we get over that? Because when you say that, and I agree with what you said, but when you say that, people automatically think lesser, semi-pro, uh, mid-tier league. I hate, I don't, I don't, hey, I love football. I don't think, I'm like a Van Halen fan. I don't think I should have to choose between Roth and Hagar. I like them both. If I had to choose, I'd pick Hagar. Why do I got to choose between the NFL and the CFL? Why can't I like both? Why can't there be two different leagues? Why can't we appreciate both leagues? It's a big problem we have here. Uh, And when you suggest something like that, Rob, all of a sudden it'll be semi-pro, that's Bush. You'll hear, that's Bush League.
1: And I've heard you know that characterizes being semi-pro. Did Ron Lancaster play semi-pro football? Did yeah. George Reed? Warren Moon. Reporters? Warren Moon. Um, Doug Flutie. No, uh, etc. I mean, you, know, you can. I don't know why there's just this this very quick, uh, you know, kind of default to oh you're just you're just lessening the caliber of the league. You're I think you I think you're building up the. the the, the, the foundation of the league this is a league that exists without a that is without a foundation right now they've allowed it to deteriorate to the point where there really isn't the community connection overall across the country that there should be there's not the efforts made to foster that and there there seems to be a very hasty inclination to just abandon all of that when uh, if you're a if you're a struggling business what's what's the first thing you do you you try to i think you just concentrate on the basics don't you yeah you, you I mean and if you have to in, in these tough times maybe you have to look in the mirror and say okay we're gonna have to get through this and maybe we're gonna have to tighten our belt a bit and we might have to downsize a little bit and build back up but we're gonna do it and we've got we've got customers that have been loyal to us and we've got a community that's been loyal to us and let's let's just grit our teeth and get through it and but I don't think the solution is to is to go on these far-fetched tangents and hope and pray that somehow there's this there's this angel dust at the end of the uh, or or, like angel dust I'm not sure that's the correct correct term but uh, this magic potion at the at the end of uh, Mm -hmm. end of the uh, end of the road it's just not uh, it's just not it's just such a long shot. Yes, uh, I think. What what do you lose? What do you risk losing? in, in pursuit of uh, of this this elusive finish line.
0: Okay, so my last thing to you is what what could what in your uh, in your uh, smart opinion what could possibly be going on here other than a merger? Because we don't know what's going on. Like why would why would the why would the XFL not uh, be playing till at least. Well they even put off their twenty twenty two season what could the c like what could be offered here what could the c f l offer the x f l what would the x f l want from the c f l you know maybe it's maybe it's entry into those three big markets maybe that's what it is what do you, what do you think it is well,
1: that's the mysterious thing um you know maybe the big markets are what are what they find intriguing but they're also the 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 ones that are giving the c f l the most difficulty and so you know, Saskatchewan is more of a thriving football market than Toronto, Montreal, or B.C., but yet you look at the big cities and you wonder what the potential might be. I I think there's some things that, this, that the XFL could extract from the CFL that might give it a niche that it, that it needs if it's going to try to compete with the NFL just in terms of offering something south of the border in terms of football, four-down football, that people would, would enjoy watching. The NFL succeeds in spite of itself to a degree in that... They don't have all the wild motion before the snap. Their timing of the games is such that they don't milk everything out of the last minute that they they possibly could. The kicking game is is often boring because it's about 15 people uh, or 12 people or 11 people, pardon me, just chasing after a ball as it slows down. So there's things that they could adopt from the Canadian Football League and from people who understand football at this level to jazz up the american game to the point where it might be viewed as a as a as a nice compliment to the national football league as opposed to a, a carpet copy that's yeah. that's what i think they could get but i don't think uh, i don't think that's their aspiration i think they're looking at devouring it as opposed to uh, you know, snacking on it.
0: So, uh, Rob, uh, lastly here, and uh, I keep saying lastly, but you're a great guy to talk to. So I I got this Growing the Game podcast that you're on, and thanks for joining me. I'm also working on a Can West Top 50 YouTube show, kind of like the NFL Top 100, where we, uh, you know, uh, pick the, with coaches, players, and media, we pick the, the 50 best players in Can West football going into the 2021 season, plus a group of 10 that we call best to the rest. But outside of that, Rob, like, how do we how do we get people, because I think the media in general, and I would I would say you're not in this, but the media in general has done a, a piss poor job of creating storylines and creating buzz so people care about these kids coming up. If people cared more about our kids coming up, the hotshot kid from Lakeridge coming up or South Regina, we'd, you know, same thing in Toronto, Hamilton. Maybe we'd pay attention more, but we don't. We just we don't seem to care whether it's the host broadcaster, whether it's the local media. We just don't seem to promote very well.
1: You know, and, and sometimes you really wonder, like, I know that you've probably experienced this too, where there's an event that you've given a lot of hype to, or, or uh, in our case, given a lot of ink to, and and then you go there and it's just, where is everybody? I mean, there's, there's been numerous times when I've written, you know, that you should really go watch this Rams-Huskies game. This is going to be great. And maybe there's a slight bump in attendance, but why can't a Rams Huskies game, for example, get the equivalent of a Regina Pats crowd? Or even a Saskatoon Blades crowd? If we're so football mad in this country, or this province, why can't university football, at least here in Regina, get get what the Regina Pats will draw? That would seem to me to be a a, a valid comparison or or certainly a goal that would be attainable. Nobody's expecting it to pack Mosaic Stadium but four or five thousand should be able to do that and and we've written about university sports a ton over the years it never really seems to impact uh, the attendance it just uh, it's it's, it's really it's really a puzzling thing and when the, when, the, when the Pats were having some attendance struggles I you know I, I covered some Pats teams where they'd be getting 1800 two thousand 2100 people and we'd, we'd have them on the front page every day because we covered junior hockey you know, we've always covered junior hockey pretty devotedly. And, and I remember days where I have four, I had four Regina Pat stories in the paper and they still get 1800 people. So maybe it was a commentary on my work, but yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people know they're there. It's just the inclination. What's going to give them the inclination or to, to go. Mm. And, uh, maybe the answer, part of the answer is you've got to make it more appetizing than ever to go to the venue. There were, there were certainly cracks apparent in the 2019 season when you look at the Rough Fighters. They only sold out one regular season game, mm-hmm. and that's the one they would sell out if they'd won two games. But uh, they had a charismatic quarterback, a first-place team, and, and, uh, and, and a game true. that they had to win at home in order to claim first place place and they were they were didn't even get to the 30,000 there and that to me was was a sign that that there is, a, is there was a was a problem even preceding the pandemic you've just got to crash it harder you 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 you've got to be absolutely relentless in trying to get people to come to your games and when they get there i think the concession prices have got to be reasonable uh you know the, if they have to pay to park i think that's an impediment you've got to do everything to treat the customers I think, more royally than ever. Otherwise, you're just going to stay home and watch it on their 948-inch TV in the basement.
0: Yeah, I know. And that's that's a problem. That's a really good point. Okay, Rob, uh, looking at your crystal ball five years from now, what do you see for the CFL?
1: Well, I'll be 62 then, so I hope I see something.
0: <laughs> you will. You're doing well. Um,
1: um, you know, I I think what, what we're eventually... where this is eventually going to go is they're going to have no choice but to say, okay, we've got to maybe... Um, get back to the basics and it may have to actually almost burn down before you can start rebuilding it. I think all of these, if they're so bound and determined to, to, to proceed with all these initiatives, I think it might just, it just might tear them down to the point where they've just got to be pretty modest about it and say, okay, here's where we are. Maybe our, Maybe our payroll has got to be three million dollars or four million dollars. Maybe we can't bank on thirty thousand people a game. Maybe we got a budget for twenty, and maybe they just got to scale it down, at least in terms of the expenditures. And I think there's room room to do that, such as you such as your uh, reference earlier to quarterback salaries, add head coaches, add general managers, add president CEOs, and uh, and uh, just make the game tailor the uh, the expenses to what is a realistic projection of the revenues. And that might not be a $5.3 million salary cap anymore.
0: Well, yeah, it's what I've always said. You and I both would love to, uh, to drive a Ferrari, but I can only afford an Escape. I mean, it'd be great to drive around in a luxury sports car, but if I can only afford uh, a mid-sized vehicle, that's all I can get. Yeah, but it'll still get you from point A to point B. Yeah. You, know, you, don't get, you don't get from Regina to Saskatoon any
1: faster driving by Cobalt. Than you, than you would a Corvette if you're adhering to the speed limit. So I'll, I'll, take, the, I'll take the 2010 Cobalt, even though it doesn't have satellite radio or Bluetooth.
0: <laughs> I'm okay. I'm against that. Hey, Rob, thanks for this, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for giving me a half an hour of your time. Thanks for your time, Ballsy. Take care. Where there's sports, there's Ballsy. Time for Ballsy's Sports Shorts. Well, the NBA fined Kevin Durant $50,000 for using derogatory language on social media, which tells me the NBA has no idea how social media works. Now that March Madness is over, some of these players will prep for the NBA, some will continue their college careers, and the rest will take massive pay cuts and get regular jobs. The Baylor Bears won their first title in the program's history on Monday. Now they get to go to the White House and remind the U.S. President what his name is. Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star Game to protest Georgia's new voter law. They obviously only tolerate cheating when it's done by the Houston Astros. I'll have more to say on that ridiculous decision of pulling the All-Star Game out of Georgia coming up on a Gospel According to Ballsy in another episode. What a stupid move. The New York Jets traded quarterback Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. Darnold's looking forward to the challenge of throwing the football to the opposing team in a brand new city. It's actually a great trade for both teams. Darnold sucked with the Jets, but Adam Gase was his coach. Look what Ryan Tannehill did in Tennessee after he left Gase's sorry ass in Miami. Same for Darnold. The Panthers have a talented offense led by Christian McCaffrey. That's a great trade for the Panthers, man. I think Darnold and Wentz in Indy will have bounced back years. Both guys, let's face it, we're throwing to janitors last season. Darnold, check this out. He's only 23 and has played three years in the NFL. That's crazy. As for the Jets, New York is positioned to draft Darnold's replacement second overall with BYU's Zach Wilson pegged as the favorite. In fact, in the next two drafts, the Jets have 21 picks. They can't turn that team around. God help them. This has been Growing the Game with Ballsy. If you have a football story you'd like to share to help us grow the game, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. Ballsy can be heard weekdays in Regina on 104.9 The Wolf Morning Show and during Saskatchewan Rough Riders and U of RM's broadcasts on 620 CKRM.